Welcome to Ghoul Gals. So today we're going to learn about vampires. Yay. Ooh, creature features. Yay, I love vampires. Me too. They're cool. Yeah. I mean, probably horrifying in real life. Yeah. But like fun to think about and watch movies about. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like them. Mm-hmm. Some of my favorite movies actually star vampires. Twilight? <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but yes. yes. <laughs> uh, no. Um, what We Do in the Shadows? That, that Yeah, that's definitely one. That's probably number two. <laughs> Still not the one that you're Not the one about. I was thinking of. I was what thinking, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I love that one. <laughs> it's a non-ridiculous That's a non-ridiculous <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's great. So today I'm going to talk about Indian vampires. <gasps> Exciting. Yeah, so some of the earliest myths of vampire-like creatures are actually from India and other places in the East, like Tibet and China. Really? Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I just learned this. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, in India, the vampires were generally viewed as demonic beings that could actually reanimate corpses. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, like in Buffy, how when people die uh-huh. and then they come back as demons, uh-huh. it's because they're demons. Like, they're vampire <laughs> demons. <laughs> that was a terrible description. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like the corpse of a human is then being used by a by, demon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it would use the body of a human to destroy others and drink their blood. Sure. Obviously. Vampires. Yeah. <laughs> um, ancient Indian beliefs about the vampire creatures still exist today in Indian culture. Mm. Um, but they've changed a lot over the years because mm. most traditions in India are oral. Right. Uh, so, like, you tell the story, you exaggerate. You want to make it a good show. Yeah, you right? do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the myths of blood-drinking beings began to spread, though, as nomadic tribes from northern India, now known as gypsies and the Roma, yeah, as they took the stories of vampire legends with them as they traveled to places like Turkey and Romania, Hungary, Slavic lands, and eventually across all of Europe. Mm-hmm. The gypsy vampires changed uh, to be a bit more like revenants, uh, which are humans who come back from the dead. Yeah. So not necessarily a demon. These versions of vampires usually come back to destroy their families and friends first. <gasps> oh no! And then once they're there, they're like, well, there's a bunch more humans I can eat. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> so much. rude. It's very rude. <laughs> Yeah, so that idea was very common amongst the earliest vampire myths of Europe, okay. that they would come back to hurt their family. Uh, cool, nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> so a common theme in these early vampire legends uh, were that any living thing could become a vampire, not just humans, <gasps> which is kind of fun. Like cows? <laughs> yes, like dogs, cats, Farm animals, cows, cows, uh, <laughs> even plants. And I love this. And one of the things I found, they were like, there was, of course, the myth of the vampire pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> right? Of course. Of course. <laughs> Who doesn't know that story? <laughs> right? So then I immediately had to like Google vampire pumpkin oh my myth. God. 
Um, not just because Vampire Pumpkin gives you like how to like cut your jack o' lantern into a pumpkin <laughs> or into a, a vampire, uh-huh. and I was like, um, that's not what I want at all. No, no, no. I want a real life vampire pumpkin. <laughs> um, so I looked it up, and so this uh, man, Tadimir Vukanovic, okay, Vukan Vukanovic, whatever. Um, <laughs> so he he did a bunch of studies on uh, Roma traditions. Okay. Um. And so he he wrote about this mm-hmm. vampire pumpkin thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he wrote, quote, uh, The belief in vampires of plant origin occurs among gypsies who belong to the Muslim faith in Kosovo Metoija. Sounds right. <laughs> Could be right. Um, according to them, uh, there were only two plants which are regarded as likely to turn into vampires. The pumpkins of every kind and watermelons. <laughs> what? Watermelons are the most gentle fruits. Right? <laughs> They're the gentle giants they of are. fruits. They're full of water. <laughs> right? But um, in in Padrima and Pizrensky Podgor, they consider this transformation occurs if these ground fruit have been kept for more than 10 days. Uh-oh. <gasps> I keep pumpkins for more than 10 days all the time. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, uh-oh. I... I, I buy mini watermelons and forget to eat them. Always. Oh, no. <laughs> Did they turn into vampires? I guess so. I mean, we'll see. Because there's, there's things that they do to show you that oh, they're God. vampires. Okay. Oh, no. Then the gathered pumpkins stir all by themselves and make a sound like burl, 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 and began to shake themselves. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's so weird. It took like such a weird turn. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's great. Uh, It is also believed that sometimes a trace of blood can be seen on the pumpkin. (gasps) Yeah. And the gypsies then say it has become a vampire. So as long as you don't see a drop of blood, maybe you're good. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Uh, These pumpkins and melons go around the houses, stables, and rooms at night all by themselves. (gasps) And do harm to people. No. No. (laughs) But it is thought that they cannot do great damage to folk, so people are not very afraid of this kind of vampire. Uh, The gypsies destroy the pumpkins and melons, which have become vampires, by plunging them into a pot of boiling water, which is then poured away, the ground fruit being afterwards scrubbed by a broom and then thrown away. And the broom burned. Oh my god. <laughs> that's so that's dramatic. That's, yeah. So the gypsies also had some interesting ideas about protecting against vampire attacks. Okay. They would drive steel or iron through the corpse, or put steel in the mouth or over the eyes of the corpse of a s- suspected vampire. Mm. I would the, just do that with everyone. Just in case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Why not? Cover all your bases. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they would also place hawthorn in the socks of the corpse. I'm still wearing socks. In case it got cold. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Or, or they would drive a hawthorn stake through the body. They would also pour boiling water over the grave or the corpse, Ew. which, yeah, sounds awful. Yeah. If all else failed, so if, if they still became a vampire, <laughs> I guess, uh, they would decapitate the corpse and burn it. Holy shit. Yeah, that's a lot. That's the last resort. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
so the this is similar to the Western idea of vampires that we have today, yeah. like in Supernatural, where they cut off the heads of the vampires. Right. Of right. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> they also the Roma people in Kosovo believed that vampires were invisible to most people. So, oh. Uh-oh. Yikes. Um, but not all is lost okay. because they could be seen by a twin brother and sister born on a Saturday who wore their clothes inside out. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> what? Well, then they're never going to be seen. <laughs> right? These traditions are, like, insane. So the, you can only be... It's just a set of twins that are brother and sister. Yeah. Born on a Saturday? Yep, like, who even be. remembers? when? <laughs> I don't know what day I was born on. I bet as soon as, like, these... These fraternal twins were born on a Saturday. Everyone was like, nice. Thank like, God. Phew. <laughs> we finally have some people that can see some vampires. <laughs> they had to wear their clothes inside out all the time. Every day. <laughs> so I have a couple of my favorite versions of vampires that I looked up. Because in India, um, pretty much every village had their own traditions. Um, just like there are, like... Thousands of languages actually spoken in India. Mm-hmm. There were thousands of traditions. And so there are so many different types of vampires. It's, it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, so the first one uh, is called the Pei, P-E-Y. Or if it's a, the female version, is the Pei Makalir. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I like that one better. Yeah, they're fun. <laughs> Pei Makalir. Yeah. They are vampires of southern India in uh Tamil. They would choose to haunt wars and battles, uh, waiting to feed on fallen soldiers. Yeah. Yikes. Mm -hmm. So really smart. They're kind of like cleaning up. Right. (laughs) Right. Thanks. (laughs) For sure. Um, So the Pemakalir, so the female version, Mm -hmm. is seen as more vicious because she prefers to devour the flesh of the dying and dead, while the pay only drink their blood. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. She likes to eat them. Eat okay. them all up. Fair. Um, and that what not? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Pei Makalir is also seen as fearsome because she likes to dance frenziedly as she tears the flesh <gasps> off of the still-living soldiers on battlefields. Still living? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. So that took a weird, yeah. uh, angry turn. Um, but actually, some people perceive them as being angels of mercy, because while they're feeding on the blood of the fallen soldiers, and some of them aren't dead, mm. they might be like dying really slowly and painfully, uh. and so these vampires come in and give them a quicker death. So, but is is it a quicker death? Like when she's dancing and eating your flesh? Yeah, I guess unless she like went right for the jugular and Mm. just like got it over and then started dancing and stuff, then that would be fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the next guy, he is uh, just the most horrifying vampire (laughs) I've ever heard of. So, yeah, I'm into it. These vampires are called the Brahma Purusha. So this vampire is a malevolent spirit, mm-hmm. or, or demon for short, pretty much. Um, A.K.A. a demon. Who not only eats humans, but 
loves doing it. Like, takes <laughs> gets so much delight out oh, of it. No. It's uh, gross. Um, so they're extremely vicious and consumed with bloodlust and a hunger for brains. So all these vampires, it's like they're not content with just blood. Like, they gotta get it all, apparently. Yeah. yeah. First of all, their appearance is just grotesque. <laughs> not only... Would the Brahma Purusha wear the intestines of their former victims around their necks like a scarf? (laughs) (laughs) Right? They would also wear intestines around their heads like a crown, showing off its trophies from previous kills. Stop. Because it took a sick pride in its slayings. I feel like there are cuter organs to use than the intestines. (laughs) Like a little kidney for an earring. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Stick a stomach on your head. Mm, like a little cap. Yeah, um, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like intestines are slippery. Right? And like harder to keep on there. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's miles and miles of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to ask him why. <laughs> so the Brahma Purusha is also known for carrying around a human skull. Why does he have a human skull? You might ask. Yeah. Well, when it attacks a new victim... It will pour the blood out of the victim's neck into the skull and then drink the blood from the skull using it like a cup. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Oh my god. Mm -hmm. That is grotesque. It's um, so horrifying to even think about. But also like kind of BA. I'm kind of like, wow. Very, yeah, very extra, but... Wearing a crown of intestines, <laughs> drinking out of a skull cup. <laughs> but I feel like on point also. Yeah, yeah. If, I mean, if Beyonce did it, she would be seen as a genius. It's so. true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You got me there. It's true. <laughs> so then after it drained the victim completely of blood, the vampire would then go on to eat the brains. And then it would rip out the intestines for fashion. <laughs> I wrote that. I wrote for fashion. <laughs> Great. Love it. <laughs> but really. It made me laugh. Okay. I like it. Uh, so the bloodlust of this vampire was so great that they would feast on many humans, sometimes more than one per night, uh, before it was finally full. So, unfortunately, there are no known ways to protect against this vampire. Oh, good. Cool. Yeah. So running away and hiding is basically all you got. Um, very slow. Which is, yeah, <laughs> not helpful. Um, after the Brahma Purusha has finished feeding, it will wrap the intestines of his newest victim around its waist. So it's like wearing intestines head to toe. Um, fashion statement. And then it would begin a ritual dance around the corpses. Oh my god. Yeah, what a, what a freak. Uh, so although it's unclear how the Brahma Purusha are created, Hindu myths of vampires describe them as being a class of demons which are separate from humans. I mean, obviously. Sure. like That's yeah. not just like a human that comes back from the dead, like a reanimated corpse. Oh, no. That's like demon quality <laughs> ritual. <laughs> but then it would possess a, a human again and use its body oh, to do all I of see. that. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah, gross. <laughs> no. But it, somehow I still like it. Somehow I'm still yeah. like, that's okay. That's fun. I like how fashion forward it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm into it for that. I would follow it on Instagram. Oh my gosh, me too. Looks. 
So there's another, uh, which is, um, I've seen it written a couple different ways, but I have it as uh, Chordiva. Chordiva? Chordiva. D-E-V-A. Not D-I-V-A. <laughs> Diva. Um, so this one is my favorite, not for being uh, scary, but for being uh, A-plus in the weird sector. Yes. So this is kind of more of a witch, but she's put under the category of a vampire. So Ardian. Okay. Um, it's found among the Orones, which is a tribe of uh, the Bengal. So this witch can turn her soul into a black vampire cat. <gasps> oh, meow, kitty. meow. Yeah. Um, so not herself, but just her soul, which is important to know for later. Okay. Uh, and so once she took this form, she would sneak into the homes of those who were sick or dying. And then once in their house, she would eat all of their food. <laughs> what a dick. All of it. <laughs> And then, like the freak she is, <laughs> she would lick their lips. Ew. Ew. Oh, God. And then... Ew, a cat tongue, too. A cat, cat tongue, right oh, on your lips. A sandpaper cat tongue. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you're, no. like, sick and stuck in bed. Oh, so your mouth's probably open. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> a French kiss yeah. from a kitty. Ew. Ew. Um, so... Thankfully, though, I guess, in some ways, the person who is sick would die, like, oh, good. very soon after. Um, but so, what if you weren't sick? Like, you're just in the house, it licks everyone's lips? No, it's only said? if you're sick or dying. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. No. So, Thank God. Um, horrifying. Yeah. So this vampire could be identified by its weird meowing. <laughs> And the difficulty of trying to catch it, which I don't, because cats are hard to catch. If they don't want to be caught, yeah. you can't catch them. Yeah, you should know that. So it's just every cat with like a weird, and all cats have weird meows. Yeah. Little freaks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe less that one. <laughs> <laughs> You can also tell, because any injury done to the cat would be found on the witch's body as well. So if oh. you cut it a little bit on its face, then oh. the little witch would have a little little, little face. Scar. Even if I knew it was a witch's soul and not a real cat, mm-hmm. I would not be able to hurt it. Right? Absolutely it's just not. a little kitty. Sweet little baby. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I guess, but if you're like dying in a bed and you see a black cat coming towards you, maybe then your feelings would change. <laughs> I don't know. No, 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 no. I know you. <laughs> I might be happy about it. Maybe. Thank God. <laughs> death at last. Sweet release of death. <laughs> so if if you were able to catch the cat, mm-hmm. then the witch would slip into a coma because you would have her soul, I guess. Yeah. So she would just be in a coma. Yeah. And she would stay in a coma until the cat was freed and able to return to the body. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. If I caught that cat, I would never free it. It's my cat now. You're mine. <laughs> Those are my vampire stories from India, Ooh. and they're weirdos. They are. They're weird ones. But I like it because it's not just the the general Twilight vampire <laughs> right. or Vampire Diaries vampire, right. you know? Yeah. It's, uh, they're different. They're fun. They're a little they have, fun. They have their own little personalities. Mm-hmm. So I decided to talk about Vlad the Impaler. 
Um, he was also known as Vlad Dracul. Okay. Um, it sounds like um like a name from Game of Thrones. It does. Vlad Dracul. Like um, Cal Drogo would be friends with him. Mm. He would, or he'd be enemies with him. Ooh. <laughs> so, uh, this was the the man behind the Dracula name. Nice. Um. He has the most ridiculous mustache I've ever seen. I love it. What kind? <laughs> um, I'll let you know. Mm. I'm going to paint you a word picture in a second. Perfect. <laughs> These are my favorite. <laughs> so, r- ridiculous mustache having lived through the uh, mustache trend of the early 2010s. Do you remember that? When every guy had like some kind of mustache. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Like, they're like, oh, I'm dapper. And yeah. Stuff. When hipsters were still like when you would call people hipsters. Right. Unlike now. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's kind of a hipster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you if you just Google his name, there's one portrait that comes up like a thousand times, interspersed with um, like deviant art images and movie stills. Mm-hmm. Um, and this portrait is. Amazing because I look at it having known what he, who he is, and what he's done, mm-hmm. and I'm not remotely intimidated. Perfect. <laughs> um, no offense to him because I'm sure this is uh, not the look that he was going for, but <laughs> he looks pretty damn friendly. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's got these large round eyes. Okay. Um, thin eyebrows, and it almost looks like he has them raised. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This, he has, like, majestic, curly, long black hair. Beautiful. Now I'm picturing Captain Hook. Oh, that's not far off. (laughs) No way. (laughs) It's really not. (laughs) Um, and then this mustache, um, that looks like either a cigar or a really long poop. (laughs) You got some poo on your face. It's like it's just like a turd, like a turd, like a long turd. <laughs> it's really like circular. I don't know. It's weird. Yikes. Um, and then he's also got this like Mona Lisa smile thing going. <laughs> so, um, not sure what he's smiling about. Like, is he thinking about the cute girl he met at the bookstore today? thinking about impaling his enemies with the dull end of wooden stakes and displaying them in his, in his front yard for everyone to see. Oh my gosh. The pot roast he's cooking in the crock pot for later. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but no, he was very scary. <laughs> um, he was born into the noble family of Vlad II Dracul, meaning Vlad the Dragon. Ooh. Mm-hmm. His father being given this name after being inducted into the Order of the Dragon, which is a really cool name, but it's actually really boring. <laughs> um, it's like a, it's a, what do they call it? A monarchical chivalric order for selected nobility. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much the same as like the military orders of the Crusades. Okay. So it was their job to defend the cross and fight the enemies of Christianity. Oh. Why would they call it the Order of the, of the dragon? dragon? Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so disappointing. Huh. The enemies of Christianity at this time would namely be the Ottoman Empire. 
In a sudden twist, Vlad and his younger brother, Radu, were sent to the court of the Ottoman Sultan Mur- Murad II mm-hmm. as collateral to-, to assure the Sultan that their father would support Ottoman policies. So, like, their dad's part of this thing to defend Christianity, but he's also um, not doing that and Ooh. making deals with the Ottoman Empire. Ooh. So, what a um, Ooh, papa. twisty guy. In 1448, after a few years away, Vlad returned to their home in Vlachia. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he did, he was informed that his father and his older brother had been assassinated <gasps> at the hands of the Vlachian nobles the year before. No way. So mm-hmm. they f- probably found out that they were double dealing? Probably. Ooh. Mm-hmm. After this horrible homecoming, Vlad began the first of a lifelong series of campaigns to regain his father's seat. He mm-hmm. became ruler once was exiled, became ruler again, Mm -hmm. was imprisoned, rude, and then became ruler again and died. Oh, no! (laughs) So after the first rule and then he was exiled, became ruler again, and he pretty rapidly developed a reputation for being kind of gnarly, (laughs) not in a good way. So much so that even the Pope heard about it. Whoa. Yeah. Um, a Meister singer, meaning master singer in German, Beautiful. <laughs> named Michael Beheim. <laughs> Michael Behind. Beheim. Beheim. <laughs> wrote a lengthy poem about Vlad's cruelty, which he based on an alleged conversation with a Catholic monk who had managed to escape from Vlad's prison. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, this was actually performed for the court of the Holy Roman Emperor Frederick III. Part of this poem tells the story of Vlad impaling two monks to help them get to heaven faster. <gasps> no. <laughs> and then impaling their donkey because it began braying after the death of its masters. No. Oh, it was <laughs> a sad donkey. He killed a sad donkey for no reason. Mm-hmm. What a jerk. I know, he's very mean. So mean. There was also a rumor that while Vlad was imprisoned, he would catch rats so that he could cut them up into pieces or stick them on small pieces of wood. Oh my gosh. Because he was unable to, quote, forget his wickedness. Whoa. Right? That's psychopath stuff. Uh, Killing animals. I guess he had already killed a bunch of people at that (laughs) point. (laughs) But... Working backwards. That's yeah, but like you can't, like he's in jail and he can't help but find something to kill. Mm. In one instance, after he'd been returned to his rule, some Turkish messengers came to pay respects but refused to take off their turbans according to their own ancient custom. Vlad then nailed their turbans to their heads <gasps> using three spikes. No. So that they could never take them off. Oh my gosh. Right? Stories about Vlad and his cruelty spread throughout Europe thanks to the invention of movable type. Oh. Yeah. To enhance sales of these stories, they were published in books with woodcuts on their title pages that depicted horrific scenes. Whoa. (laughs) People were awful right from the beginning. They're like, yes, I want to see someone flayed. Yep. Mm. They loved it. Mm. I mean, think of public executions just stopped. Very recently. Yeah, yeah. 
in human history, like yeah. most of the time has had that. Yeah. You know? I wonder if that's why there's still so much gore in movies now and like TV shows. Because people love it. They're like lapping it up. Yeah. Um, yuck. Yeah. I'm not a fan of gore, usually. Mm-hmm. That's um. what you say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love, this is my favorite historical figure, so maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> One of these woodcuts shows Vlad dining amongst the impaled corpses of his victims. An excerpt from a story titled About a Mischievous Tyrant Called Dracula reads as follows. Vlad had a big copper cauldron built and put a lid made of wood with holes in it on top. He put the people in the cauldron and put their heads in the holes and fastened them there. He filled it with water and set a fire underneath it and let the people cry their eyes out until they were boiled to death. Oh my goodness. Horrifying? No. Yeah. And then he invented frightening, terrible, unheard of tortures. He ordered that women be impaled together with their suckling babies on the same stake. The babies fought for their lives at their mother's breast until they died. Oh my gosh. Then he had the women's breasts cut off. And put the babies inside head first. Oh. Thus he had them impaled together. Oh you, my gosh. I mean, right. Oh, he is evil. Yeah. Oh my, I'm going to cry. That's so awful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh, cool. <laughs> cool. 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 <laughs> um, so these were all s- stories in like Western Europe. But the Slavic stories were a little different than the ones that were told throughout the rest of the world. While they didn't undermine or try to erase his brutality, um, they also attempted to underline the fact that his cruelty enabled him to strengthen the central government in Wallachia. Um, Since the middle of the 19th century, Romanian historians have treated Vlad as one of the greatest Romanian rulers emphasizing his fight for the independence of Romanian lands. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So, like, you go to Romania, and he's a hero, kind of. Okay, so, like, maybe all the other stories were exa- were grossly exaggerated. Yeah. And he was just... I mean, he definitely impaled people. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know if, like, the boiling cauldron is true. Okay. I don't know if doing babies was true. Mm-hmm. I, you know... Because this is all, like, in stories that were told in, like, Germany and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Cruel and fucked up as he was, no connection was ever really made between him and Bram Stoker's fictional creature, Dracula. Oh. Yeah. Although there's evidence to suggest that Stoker did a lot of research within Romanian history, it's very likely that he merely saw Vlad Dracula's name and just liked it. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is crazy because the real Dracula was so scary and creepy and weird. Mm-hmm. And then regular Dracula is also scary and <laughs> creepy and weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, but they, but like Bram Stoker didn't know about this other guy. Like Weird. Right. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. It just happened about the freaks named Dracula. Yeah. Huh. I wonder, like, I wonder if, how different the story of Dracula would have ended up being if he read about the, the historical figure. True. 
Yeah. Or maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe he did, and he was just like, mm, this is too much. <laughs> this is too much even for me, writing about something that drinks blood. I wanted to do this research because I didn't realize that they weren't connected in anything but name. Mm-hmm. So um, when I realized that they weren't connected in anything but name, I started thinking about how our modern conceptions of vampires are all kind of based solely around Bram Stoker's Dracula mm-hmm. and then the fictional stories that have evolved from that. So um, I looked up what some legends were like before Dracula was published. Ooh. And luckily, National Geographic did a story on this last year. <laughs> so nice. this is uh, going to be kind of word for word from that article. So all in all, the myth of the vampire, despite being different depending on what country you're in, Mm-hmm. India, for example, yeah, uh, begins with the same central theme, which is fear that the dead, once buried, could still harm the living, mm-hmm. which is fair. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, like you. Oh my God, you and I were at the cemetery last week, and there were all kinds of creepy things going on. Like we are in 2017. Mm-hmm. And we were still afraid of this empty cemetery that wasn't even... It was like a bright, clear, sunny day. Yeah. Yeah. And we were afraid that something was going to happen. Yeah. Well, yeah, because... Because we're surrounded by dead people. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously just buried people. Yeah. But, as with most legends, this fear stemmed from a simple misunderstanding. This time of the decomposition process. Oh. Yeah. So, for example, as a corpse's skin shrinks, its teeth and fingernails can appear to have grown longer. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know that now to the point that it seems obvious, but imagine what people thought hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Yeah. (laughs) So your 30-year-old grandma has just died of old age. Your (laughs) 30-year-old grandma? Nice. (laughs) Uh, has just died of old age, <laughs> and you look at her in the coffin or at the morgue or whatever, and suddenly, what big teeth you have, Grandma! <laughs> and you have nightmares about it for years. Oh no! Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, similarly, <laughs> yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, as internal organs break down, a dark liquid known as purge fluid can leak out of the nose and mouth. Oh, right. People unfamiliar with this process would interpret the fluid to be blood and suspect that the corpse had been drinking it from the living. (gasps) Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I didn't know this. You didn't either. I didn't. Uh, So our 2017 uh, asses (laughs) would have been right up there with the 15th century nerds screaming about vampirism due to sheer ignorance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so the fear of vampires wasn't just in like an everyday thing. It kind of popped up when there was a plague going on. So people would blame vampires for that mm. because they didn't know what germs were. And so they imagined vampires were behind these unseen forces, slowly killing off everyone in their communities. Yikes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, like the witch one coming in and licking someone's lips. And killing them, right. you know? Like, they blamed yeah. it on a vampire when yeah. it was probably just because it was a sick person. Yeah. And they died, you know? <laughs> oh, no, that cat came in and licked their face. <laughs> licked him right in the mouth. <laughs> Mark Collins Jenkins writes in his book, Vampire Forensics, quote, The one constant in the evolution of vampire legend 
has been its close association with disease. Killing vampires, or at least preventing them from feeding, was a way for folks to feel as though they had some small bit of control. Wow. In 2006, archaeologists unearthed a 16th century skull in Venice that had been buried among plague victims. Oh. With a brick in its mouth. (gasps) For vampires. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This was likely a burial tactic to prevent strega, Italian vampires or witches, from leaving the grave to eat people. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. Do you know about this? I read about that, like, about putting... Putting things in its mouth. Putting things in its mouth. (laughs) Yeah, like stones and bricks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's Um, weird. Bury me with a stone in my mouth and hemlock in my sock. (laughs) Just burn me. (laughs) Burn me. (laughs) Decapitate me and burn me. (laughs) Or else I'll come back. I'm gonna get you. (laughs) Um, in Germany, the Nachserer, or after devourers, Ooh. Yeah, mm-hmm. stayed in the ground chewing on their burial shrouds. Ooh, Isn't that gross? <laughs> um, the purge fluid would cause the shroud to sag or tear, mm-hmm. creating the illusion that the corpse had been chewing on it. Uh, I don't know how many times people are unearthing, unearthing corpses. Like, yeah. yeah. How was everyone seeing all of this? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, well, I wonder if this is during the time when people would go, would be like grave robbers and take mm-hmm. wedding rings and oh, yeah. good shoes. That's true. I don't know. What else would they take? Bricks. Hair, probably. <coughs> Wouldn't they take hair, hair for wigs and stuff? Would they? I don't know. It seems like they would. <laughs> Wouldn't they do this, right? <laughs> Why I don't not? know. Why not? <laughs> Well, wig shops need hair. So disgusting. It is disgusting. The Nakhser were believed to harm its surviving family members through occult practices. Mm. Um, a Protestant theologian even wrote a tract called On the Chewing Dead. Ew. Right? Fear the Chewing Dead, am I right? <laughs> Worse than the Walking Dead. I don't it, like it. It is, yeah. Um, and he accused the Nakhser of this practice. He suggested that people could stop them by exhuming the body and stuffing its mouth with soil mm. and maybe a stone or a coin for good measure. Just in case. <laughs> Without the ability to chew, the corpse would die of starvation. Here are some, a few short stories about real people who were thought to be vampires. Love it. Yeah. So there's the first one is Peter Plogojovic, the cool. Serbian villager. An accused bloodsucker was exhumed and staked through the heart a few weeks after his death in 1725. In his book, Vampires, Burial, and Death, folklorist Paul Barber treats Plogojovitz as the quintessential European vampire because his exhumation closely follows the broader pattern of the superstition. Mm-hmm. Plogojovitz was the first in his village to die of a sickness, and subsequent local deaths were blamed on his late-night predations. A rather gruesome-sounding autopsy revealed what were considered the telltale signs of vampirism. Uh, So here's a quote from a witness of this instance. He said, I did not detect the slightest odor that is otherwise characteristic of the dead, and the body was completely fresh. Mm. The hair and beard had grown on him. The old skin, which was somewhat whitish, had peeled away, and a new fresh one had emerged under it. What? Not without astonishment, I saw some fresh blood in his mouth. 
So that's the end of that one. <laughs> Yuck. Um, the next one is Arnold Paul. Remember? <laughs> In the early 18th century, this rural Serbian broke his neck after a fall from a hay wagon. Oh. Yeah. Like many others before him, he was accused of posthumous vampirism and exhumed after a series of deaths in his village. Many of his supposed victims were dug up as well. Austrian military authorities in control of the region investigated the deaths, and their published account was widely circulated. Paul's case is thus credited with spreading the vampire superstition to Western Europe, where it took hold before reaching the New World. Nellie Vaughn was just 19 years old when she was buried in 1889 in West Greenwich, Rhode Island. <gasps> Rhode Island? Yeah. That's here. That's in our country. <laughs> Today, the so-called vampire is almost as famous as Mercy Brown, whose exhumation was covered by international newspapers. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Vaughn's cemetery has frequently been visited, vandalized, and her headstone broken. Oh, no. No. Come on. But in his book, Food for the Dead, folklorist and vampire scholar Michael Bell, vampire scholar, can you imagine? How do you do that? I'm a Bigfoot scholar. I can't afford to go (laughs) behind your face. (laughs) There's no way. There's too much about vampires and not enough about Bigfoot. Anyway, vampire scholar Michael Bell presents evidence suggesting that Vaughn's is a case of mistaken identity and that her contemporaries never accused or exhumed her. The superstition probably arose in the last half century or so, and may be a result of confusion with Mercy, who died nearby at a similar date and age. Oh. Yeah. And the admittedly creepy epitaph on Vaughn's tombstone, I am waiting and watching for you. What the heck? (laughs) No. Was that for, like, a boyfriend or something? Could be. That's horrifying. No. Could be like God is saying that to her. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Frederick Ransom was a Dartmouth College student from a well-respected family in South Woodstock, Vermont. Mm-hmm. He died of tuberculosis in 1817 and is an example of an educated person ensnared in a vampire panic usually associated with misinformed farmers. Oh, no. <laughs> no it's so rude. true, though. Yeah. Uh, Ransom's father had his body exhumed in the hopes of saving the rest of his family. His heart was burned in a blacksmith's forge. What? Ransom's surviving brother, Daniel, later wrote, quote, However, it did not prove a remedy for mother, sister, and two brothers died afterward. Whoa. It has been related to me that there was a tendency in our family to consumption and that I would die with it before I was 30. Mm. Happily, when Daniel Ransom wrote these words, he was more than 80 years old. Oh, nice. Uh, Bristow Congdon's child. Congdon. Bristow Congdon. That's a fake name. Fake news. (laughs) (laughs) Never say fake fake name i always think fake news <laughs> but it's very it's a different concept right because a fake name is just a, it's a silly sounding name yeah it's just us being jerks, being jerks yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um a quote black end quote man <laughs> that's what it says i don't know okay named bristow congdon 
and several of his children died of tuberculosis in Rhode Island in the 1800s. One source wrote, the body of one of the children was exhumed, and the vital parts were burned in obedience to the dicta of this shallow and disgusting superstition. Whoa. Though it's not entirely clear whether Congdon was African American or American Indian, the case was the first that folklorist Michael Bell has found suggesting that the vampire tradition crossed racial lines. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Annie Dennett is the last one. She died of consumption at the age of 21 in rural New Hampshire. In September of 1810, a traveling free will Baptist minister from Vermont named Enoch Hayes Place, also a fake name, <laughs> attended her exhumation, which her family undertook in an effort to save Annie's father, also sick from tuberculosis. Oh. Place's diary entry is a curious example of the participation of a respected New England minister in a vampire hunt. <laughs> they opened the grave, and it was a solemn sight indeed. Solemn sight is capitalized. It's <laughs> <laughs> important. TN. <laughs> a young brother by the name of Adams examined the moldy spectacle. <gasps> Spectacles capitalized. But found nothing as they supposed they should. There was but little left except bones. Oh. So people would get sick and die, and then the rest of their family would get sick. And not having an understanding of germs, they would think that their dead relative is cursing them yeah. from the grave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're a vampire. Oh, yep, vampire coming back for your friends and family first. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my... That's my story. Yikes. Uh, Vampires are spooky, and there's so much history about them. Yeah, I mean, it's like since the dawn of time, people have thought they existed. Yeah. So they must be real. Yeah, that is really interesting, though, about, like, the decomposition thing and how, like, Mm -hmm. it looks like blood is coming out of its nose and mouth. Mm -hmm. That's freaky. Isn't that gross? Not about that. Mm -mm. Mm. I don't blame them for thinking that. Yeah. Well, so that's our stories about vampires. Yeah. I hope you were spooked a little bit, or at least informed, as I was. Yeah. Next week, um, in lieu of doing uh, real-life stories or histories, we're going to be doing uh, just scary stories. Yeah. So they don't have to be steeped in truth, necessarily. They're Yay. just going to be scary. <laughs> so get ready. Yeah. Perfect for Halloween. You can just listen to scary stories mm-hmm. all day. Yeah. Well, for like an hour. For like, and, or if you just put it on repeat. <laughs> just listen to us. All day. Over and over. Mm-hmm. That sounds fun. Um, if you... <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> I'll do it at work. <laughs> if, you, if you have any scary stories that you want to hear, you can email us. But please do so before Saturday, mm-hmm. the 28th. Yep. Right? Yeah. That's the date. Um, because we record on Sunday and then we'll release it on Tuesday. Yeah, so we'll have some, yeah. some time. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for this one. Me too. Uh, yeah. Um, if you want to email us your stories, uh, it's ghoulgals at gmail dot com. Yeah. Um, and find us everywhere, mm-hmm. Instagram and Facebook and stuff. Yeah, send us a message on Facebook also if you want to do that instead of emailing for whatever reason. True. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, so we're going to say see you later, girls and boys. Bye. Bye.
Ding dong. Ding dong.